We'll be over in Exodus for this, the start of this study, Exodus. And uh, we're going to start looking at dispensations um, in regarding to the law. And um, we've looked at already the uh, purpose of the law. And um, if we remember some of those that uh, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 that the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Um, it's been said in the Bible in many places, numerous, I'm not going to go to it there, been a law given which should have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the, by the law. And so um, as I looked at this and I'm trying to put a lessons together, and there was a day when the law didn't exist, right? And so if we're looking at dispensations, there's a day when the law didn't exist. And the first time that they said they're going to keep the law, we see it was in Exodus in chapter 19. And so the law, that therefore, when they said they're going to keep it, God proceeds to give it in Exodus chapter 20. So we're going to look at this law where God gives law. And like every dispensation up until this point, they really didn't have, you know, some of the specific commandments, but some of them did exist before. So if we go over to Exodus in chapter 20, is where we'll be, probably for all of this. We're going to move all the way through the Bible, but in Exodus in chapter 20, they ratified it again, 19, and down at verse uh, 8, and all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. We go a little bit into, I, I can't remember if it's Exodus 23 or 24. They say the same thing again, and he sprinkles blood on them. And we, could, we see that that kind of lines up with the church, how that God sprinkles blood on his people when they enter into that dispensation. And so God says, you're going to keep the law? Here's the law. Are we ready for the law? And so, you know... I, I really believe that God intended his people to love, and he just doesn't understand what they don't love, and so he gave them the law. And so if you look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 is the first one we'll look at. And the Bible says this, Moses went up to God and the Lord and called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, to the children of Israel. Sorry, that's not it. Verse 3. <laughs> Well, look at you, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods be for me. And if you're looking at the commandments, that would be the first command. No God before me. Who do you think would be the first one that would have rejected a law that was given like that? <laughs> Wrong dispensation, but Cain, right? Did Cain love God when God came to him and said, Hey, Cain, sin lieth at the door. <laughs> and unto thee shall be his desire. And so, you know, I see with my kids, I have to make up more laws. <laughs> and maybe anybody that's been a parent for a while sees this. 
when their kids get older and learn how to do more things to tick them off. <laughs> you know, and it's just kind of the way it is. I mean, people get older, they start doing other things, and as they get older, God says, okay, we're going to add this one in. We're going to add this one in. We're going to add this one in. So the first one we see of the so-called Ten Commandments is that you, there's no God before me. What does that mean? When you stand before an altar and say, to death do you part, guess what? There should be no one before that person. That means you love them. Look at Deuteronomy 6. Keep your finger here and let me mark it because we're going to be back and forth. Again, to this point, they didn't have these so-called Ten Commandments. And by the time we get done with this thing, you'll see that there's more than Ten Commandments in the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, look at verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, so-called second giving of the law. I don't know that second. I think they had the thing the whole time. But uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, down to verse 5. It says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee shall be in thine heart. And so, so God intended that he's first. You love God, you, people know it. If you love your wife, people know it. You love your children, people know it. And so, if you love God, all the rest of this stuff, it just you really don't need. But if you love God, you'd obey Him. Look over at Luke chapter 10 for a minute. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 10. And down at verse 27. Luke chapter 10. Well, yeah. This should be a good one. I didn't intend to beat up on Rome on this, but for some reason here... Oh, that's why. I'm in the wrong chapter. Luke 10, 27. It, it was a very good verse in verse 28, but it wasn't what I thought it was supposed to be. Down verse 27. Verse 27 says... And he answered, Thou shalt, in verse 26, And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thy... That's what it means to keep God first. You see that? And so, you're no, no other God before you is to keep God first. And we kind of see that... I, we're getting ready to transition into the church age right here in the text, and, and, and it's still there, is that you should have God first and no other God, which just means you love Him. And if you love Him, then you're not going to love an idol or, you know, Dagon or whatever the false idol or Or what's interesting is go over to Luke chapter 11 and verse uh, uh, 26 there. <laughs> just over on the, at 27. He said, It came to pass as he spake these sayings, a certain woman of his company lifted up her voice and saith to him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee. Who's getting the glory? Mary. <laughs> and, and the paths which thou hast sought. Look at verse 28. And he said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God in. Keep it. You see that? And so if you love the Lord, you're going to love his word. And you're not going to have another God before him. And then even if it is your mother, <laughs> so-called mother, 
All right, look back over at the text, Exodus chapter 20. Did this exist before the law was given here? I would say yes, all the way back to innocence. And so that's why my, where I study, he would say, you know, look back. God really wanted them to love him in the garden. Love him in the garden. But this is the first time he wrote it down. Okay? All right. Look at the verse, uh, uh, Exodus chapter 20 down at verse 4. Again, they didn't have these written. These are written on stone. Verse, verse 4. Thou shalt not make into thee any graven image. Go up to St. Mary's in Duluth and see if that one's on there. <laughs> or the likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the, upon the children, a third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And so the second law that he gave is no graven image. And if you can't see the difference, because when I was Catholic, they say, well, that's really just number one. No, it's not. First one says, I'm the Lord your God. And, yeah. A graven image of Jesus also a graven image? Okay. I think so. I think so too. Yes, I'd watch out for that. I, when I was Catholic and I was at the church there, that they had, they thought it was okay to have a graven image of Joseph and Mary because the church losses you had to have it. And I had asked the priest, I said, give me a reference for that, and he gave me John 3.14. And so the priest knew the Bible, and he, and he it was talking about Nehushtan which was, as the serpent is lifted up, so also must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I didn't know that in the Old Testament the people started worshiping Nehushtan. And then uh, I believe it was uh, Hezekiah destroyed that thing. In, uh, in the book of, um, I don't know if it must be Numbers, they're going through and, uh, and because of the Israel's disobedient, the serpents were coming and bite the people. And so Nehushtan, which was what Moses made a snake on the pole a type of Christ anybody that looked on that thing would live but it went down further through the ages and they began to worship it and so they destroyed even that so it, it God just intends no image <laughs> and uh, and that's why I would say not even a Mary I, I always uh, when I was at my home I'd make sure my parents were there that the dogs took out my mom's statues <laughs> Oh, disobedient Matthew, throwing the ball at the statues. But yeah, it's, uh, it is uh, any type of idol, I believe. Look over at, and I think we got the Bible to back it up. Look at uh, Leviticus 26. Our Lady of Peace and all that stuff, that's not supposed to exist. If they had a statue and it started worshiping, how you don't know? How do you know it's not the devil doing it? God told you not to have it. And again, to this point, they really never had that thing. I mean, God shows up in and talks to you in the garden. You're not going to say, "Oh, let me make an image," <laughs> you know. But you get down a little bit further from that happening, and people start doing, you know, some weird things. Verse 26 it says, "You shall make no idols nor graven image." Neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set any image of stone in your land to bow down unto, for I am the Lord your God. It didn't say that if you're just going and praying to God there, it says you're not supposed to bow down to it. It's just kind of weird because the Catholics will bow down to that idol of Mary, but it, 
It says clearly in Leviticus 26 that you're not even to bow down to that. Look at Deuteronomy 7. <coughs> Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 1. The Bible says, And when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out the nations from before the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thee, and the one the Lord shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them, and shall make no covenant with them, nor show them mercy. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them, and thy daughters shalt thou not give unto his son, and the daughter shall not take for thy son, for they will turn away this, thy son from following thee, that they may what? Serve other gods. And so will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, but thus shall you deal with them. You shall destroy their altars. Look at this. And break down their... Isn't it interesting that the people, the Canaanites, had the images in the land instead of God? And that God says, you know what? You need to get rid of those things and make no league with them because they'll cause your sons to, to, to start bowing down to that stuff. What do we have in our society even today? That same thing happening. There was a day when people tried to keep their houses you know, clean from this type of filth. And you know what? They're not anymore. And, and, and I'm telling you, I think we're losing a lot to the the world because of these these images and look at verse 5 their groves and burn their graven images with fire pagans always have these things they're called totem poles or whatever else they have in different lands it says uh, um, for thou art an holy people unto the lord thy god the lord thy god hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself of all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Verse 7, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in number. So, so the whole point of it is, is that because they have this relationship, God doesn't want this. Because he knows what it does to a heart. And uh, you're not supposed to have that thing. Look at Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. These idols persist right through the Bible. You know, Jeremiah or Joshua, when he came in, they're getting ready to go in that land. They've taken the land, and he's telling them to get rid of their idols before he dies. It's amazing how that stuff just keeps sitting in there. And I, what an idol is is something that's going to take a glory away from God. And God that just doesn't want that. He wants his people pure. He wants himself to get the glory. So what happens when you get to the heathen that Paul's trying to reach? Well, look down at verse uh, <coughs> 23, 22. Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. As I passed by, beheld your devotions. I found an altar with the, this inscription, To the unknown God. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Whom ye therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. And he starts right out, God that made the worlds. We see that's John 1. 1. Look down at verse uh, um, 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art or man's device. Verse 30. In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commendeth all men everywhere to... 
And the reason I put that there is God wants no graven image. Now, he didn't say you're going to hell if you don't keep this one. But even in the New Testament, when Paul's dealing, because this is the church age, right? Acts 17. He says, we don't want those graven images. And so I'm just trying to show you that there, there is an element of the law that transcends all the different dispensations. And, but particularly what we're looking at, they didn't have these 10 laws until 10, well, almost 30. But they didn't have it till this point in Exodus chapter 20, at least written down. Look back over at Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. The Bible says this in Exodus 20, verse 6. Well, yeah, I suppose 6 and 7 is what I want. And showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh this name in vain. No vain name taken. I'll have to say that this is probably one of the vices that I had when I first got saved. And it usually took the form of this. Oh, God. What was that? Something happened I didn't want. I wasn't even talking to God. It was just something I said. Oh, Lord. Did you really pray? Do you see what I'm saying? We're supposed to ask everything in the name of Jesus. And you just keep saying, oh, Lord, yes. And you're not talking to him. And so God says it's a vein, it's empty. There's just there's just nothing in that, you know. And um, God God doesn't want it that way, you know. He wants to He wants to deal with people. Maybe maybe people aren't getting spoken to because they aren't listening for the Lord to speak that through His Word, right? And uh, um, and we ought to not take. If you're going to pray, pray to God. Uh, I'm in Deuteronomy 5, verse 11. It says uh, the same thing, basically. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh this name in vain. In Galatians 2. In other words, you're going to be held accountable. Galatians in chapter 2, verse 21. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 21. This is a very interesting statement. I think I'm going to wait for you everybody to get there. Galatians chapter 2 verse 21. He says, For I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is what? He's dead in me. So the reason that God gave you this is not so you're righteous, Right? I go to my son and I say, make your bed. Clean your floor. Don't keep calling me if you're... You know, not going to listen. I had this one this morning. Dad, 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 right? Notice that the first commandments that are given are all about the Lord. I don't want any other God before me. No graven image. Don't take my name in vain. 
And, and, and so that law didn't give life. Christ gave life. And so in your Old Testament, you're going to have to question then, okay, so then the law showed them they're guilty. What should they do? And hence, after this, there is a tabernacle made. And we'll get into that in a minute. But, but so, so again, we're just in this, uh, what is this? Uh, we're innocence. I, I don't have the right number. And then we're conscience. And then we're um, human government. And then promise. And, and then law. Okay, so we're in the we're in the fifth dispensation. Okay? And it took him a little while to get here, but when he's getting here, he's saying, okay, I, this is the way I want it. Before this, they didn't have any of this written down. Okay? This is something that's given to the nation. And the blessings are conditioned to get the land. Look at Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. What's interesting is the best of the best rejected God's commands for tradition. How does that happen? Mark chapter 7 and verse 7. The Bible says this, How be it in vain... Did they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of... You want to know what vain worship is? People that follow the commandments of men. See that? You're not going to take the Lord thy God in vain. You know what I had yesterday? Well, I got baptized. That's not going to get you to heaven. That's vain. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You're, you're taking it in vain if you're going to do that thing. And um, you can look at verse 9. He said to them, full well, you reject the commandment of God. You may keep your own tradition. And so what do we have? I'll just say that traditions lead to vanity. God's serious. He wants to talk with people. But if you think you're going to talk to him with a Christmas tree and a rabbit and a and uh, a dream catcher in the window, and Hannity or or O'Reilly. I mean, you said uh, those guys. This all oh, that's nothing. Catholic Church, Mary statues, St. Christopher medals. Where are you at? Book of Mormon, right? The Quran. It's emptiness. It's vanity. You're not supposed to take his name in vain. But what happens when people don't want to retain God? I want to show you something. Because how do we get the people taking the Lord's name in vain? Look at Romans 1. <coughs> Verse 19 says, That which may be known of God is manifest in them. Taking God at His word, that means He's placed in every single man that's born on the earth the knowledge of Himself. I think God's not having problem reaching a lot of people. I think he puts that knowledge there, like he said. Verse 20 tells us how. But what happens? Why, why do they miss the grace of God? Why do they miss following God? Verse 21, it says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their... And their foolish hearts were darkened. And we can take that vanity all the way back to Genesis. Is it Genesis 5? I'll give you a vain imagination. 
My mother, God rest her soul, she is in heaven. She told me as a young man that you're getting more grace in your life because you're an altar boy and you're up there on the, the platform and going through the sacraments. I said, Mom, where's that in the Bible? And who knew that God put that in my tongue way back then? I said, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I don't believe that that's the case. And so we see there's vanity right there. All right. Well, look over at uh, um, verse, is it 5 through 8 through 11? We'll go back over to Exodus 20. We might not get any further than this one. But we need to kind of go through. We haven't gone through the Ten Commandments in a long time, so-called Ten Commandments. we get done, we're going to try to count them all up. So we're at Ten Commandments, so-called Ten Commandments, down there at verse 8. Verse 8. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So the fourth commandment is also towards God, and it's to remember the Sabbath. Interesting. Six days. What is remembering the Sabbath? Six days shalt thou. <laughs> Everybody takes and goes up. Just means you don't work on Sunday. He says six days shalt thou labor. And do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy son nor thy daughter. Thy manservant, maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger. Do you see how we get more than one commandment out of the keeping the Sabbath? Strangers cannot work. You mean I can? Maid servants cannot work. Who who's not supposed to work? Um, not even your your animals. <laughs> you see that? Verse eleven. For in six days. So is this? Is there a six literal day creation? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in and there, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And so up into this place, God actually decided, well, I'm going to write this one down. You take a rest on that Sabbath day. You don't work. I'm telling you, life changes when you decide not to work on, on a, well, it's Saturday. It's a Sabbath, okay, not Sunday. Sunday's first day of the week. And so, so the question is, is who is this written to? Is this written for us? Because aren't there people that are keeping the Sabbath day? This is interesting. Look over at Ezekiel 20. What is the Sabbath to a Jew? Ezekiel chapter 20. This is something you probably should write down. Hopefully you have this. Down at verse 12, Ezekiel chapter 20. It, do we keep the Sabbath? That's a good question, isn't it? Are we to keep the Sabbath? <clears throat> well, starting at verse 10. If you're there with me, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 10. He says, Wherefore, I caused them to go forth out of the land of Egypt. We just read that next this, right? They left the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. Verse 11. And I gave them my statutes. So this is happening in the dispensation of the law. And showed them my judgments, which a man do, he shall even live in them. Verse 12. Moreover, also, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a what? Isn't that interesting? So the Sabbaths are given 
as a sign. Who requires a sign? 1 Corinthians 1.22? How about that? So when somebody comes like a Seventh-day Adventist and they say you need to keep the Sabbath, guess what? Oh, are you Jewish? <laughs> let me show you. Just take in the next time and say, let me show you what the Bible says the Sabbath is for. Right? And we're not done yet. That's why I said I don't think we're going to make it out of this. Um, it says, I gave them a sign between me and them that they might know that I'm the Lord that sanctified them. You remember what happened when they did the Sabbath and all that stuff? There were certain things that God did. I mean, you could go down to the tabernacle. I mean, there was a light. I mean, <laughs> they had light at night and a cloud during the day. And they would bring their offerings to the temple and it, or tabernacle. And it would be, eat, you know, eaten up by fire. You know, and that fire just came from the Lord. And it says, um, verse 13, who is it written to? Well, let's finish verse 12. That I am the Lord that sanctified them. Verse 13. But the house of Israel. And so, wow, context is given for Israel. To what? A Sabbath. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That's what it says. But the house of Israel belled against me in the wilderness, and they walked not in my statutes. Boy, what a sad commentary. <laughs> We're going to do whatever God says. We just saw it in Exodus 19. They say it again. I think it's Exodus 23. And they get the blood sprinkled on them, and God says, but they didn't do what I told them to do. <laughs> it says, <coughs> which if the man do, he shall live in them, and my Sabbath, they greatly polluted. Then said I, I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to con them and you can go through and read that commentary on that but I want to take you up to Colossians for a minute Colossians in chapter Galatians Ephesians Philippians Colossians in chapter 2 and verse 16 well let's start a little bit earlier I like verse 12 notice it's not water it says buried with him in baptism that's not water. We're, we are also, ye are also risen with him through faith of the operation of God. <laughs> Look down at verse uh, 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that gave us life originally. No, it's talking about the law right there. No, that was against us, which was contrary to, to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And so, in other words, you have salvation that's found simply in Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Look at the next verse. It says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of a... or the new moons, or of the... How about that? So is the church supposed to keep the Sabbath days then to be right with God? No. Are you ready? Sabbath has absolutely nothing to do with the church. And actually, Paul says, don't even let people judge you in that thing. And, and, and obviously he knew that it was to come because we see verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of... Christ. 
And so in this thing, God expects the church not to keep the Sabbath. Well, we keep the Ten Commandments. Well, the Sabbath's not for you. All right? And I'm not supposed to go there and be worried about any of these things. And that's why he ends. What's so interesting, he jumps right into that to verse 18. He says, Let no man beguile you through reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. <laughs> I know a church that did that. Amen? And it kind of follows the same thing with, you're not right if you don't go to church on Sunday. Did you know the church that I came out of had five holy days obligation? If you didn't go, you're, you're supposedly damned to hell. And God told me I'm not supposed to let him do that to me. Because I'm justified by grace. And so the only thing I can get on this thing is Hebrews chapter 10. I'll just show you my conclusion. Sabbath is not necessarily, uh, you know, you can meet on Saturday if you want, but it's not a command. God just said this, whatever day the church is meeting, and down to verse 25, he says, not, well, verse 24, he says, let's consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. So God says not Sabbath, but when the church is meeting together, you ought to be in church. See that thing? And that's why if we go through the Bible, what was the first day that Jesus Christ rose from, what, what day did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? It was the first day of the week, which meant Sunday. And so the Sabbath is Saturday, and so the church met on the first day of the week throughout the Scripture. And so there's just a difference. The Sabbath, Sabbath is given for a Jew, for a sign between them and God, Ezekiel chapter 20, 11 through 13. We saw that. And that we're not supposed to let Jews judge us this, or even the body of Christ, like a Messianic Jew, get into it and try to judge us on this thing. But what's required for the church is not forsake the assembling of ourselves, which is not on the Sabbath, but on, it can be on another day of the week. Most likely on the first day of the week. Because that's the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It'd be the first time you could preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, right? He rose again from the dead on the first day of the week. There, so, so there it is. And uh, I think we're going to stop there. All these, then, the first four of the so-called Ten Commandments are to who? To God. They're kept to God. There's a there's a change made from the fourth one into the fifth one, and we're starting to deal with man's dealings among men. Okay, and so that's what we'll try to finish up next week. Father in heaven, Lord, I did the best I could with uh, this material. I pray you bless those that came to hear it. And maybe we learned some things about this Seventh-day Adventist and, and maybe other churches that just like to make a judgment and not follow the Word of God. I, I pray that you would help us be aware of how you want us to live through the Word. I mean, you definitely gave it to us for our guide. And pray that we could all be able to rightly divide this and not be confused in Jesus' name. Amen.